Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance and today I'm so excited to be introducing Adrienne Hart, the Artistic Director and Choreographer of Neon Dance. Adrienne is going to be curating what's called Wildcard Evening, which is an evening of contemporary dance at London's Sutler's Wells. And this is taking place on the 22nd and 23rd of March. Hi, Adrienne. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi there. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us all about yourself. Tell us when did you start dancing and why did you start dancing in the first place? Um, well, I, I don't know if I had a choice in the matter. I was, I was three when I first started to dance and um, uh, my mum took me along to a, a ballet class because I was quite um, shy as a child and she thought it would help me with my, my confidence. And um, I, I really, I never stopped. I, I uh, really found it a brilliant way to express myself and um, uh, and there were some really fantastic dance classes around the area that I, that I grew up in um, and uh, discovered a place called Swindon Dance which mm-hmm. uh, really was a mecca for a lot of young choreographers making work at the time, uh, still is today and, and so yeah it kind of really hooked me in and, and I've never stopped. <laughs> So when you were uh, younger um, mm. and you were sort of doing your classes, what sort of classes were you taking and where, where were your interests from an early age in terms of the type of, of dance that you ended up pursuing? Um, it, it was really quite eclectic. I, I think, I mean, a lot, lot of um, uh, children, they, you know, they start off with uh, ballet classes yeah. and pop classes. <laughs> I was one of them. Um, but I think from... Must be nine, ten um, years old. I did my first contemporary dance class, and there was something about um, that way of moving, of being in a space that I really took to. And even though I, I kept up all the different styles of dance, and, and I became uh, really curious about uh, uh, new styles as they would come into fashion, you know, urban dance styles, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I loved doing all of that, but. Um, I kind of really knew from quite a young age that contemporary was the route in which I wanted to uh, take. That's really interesting that um, you were able to go to, as you say, a mecca um, for um, choreography with the in Swindon. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the the training that you um, also went on on to do with the London Contemporary Dance School. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in a way, it felt very much a continuation of what I'd already started at Swindon Dance um, through uh, and all around the country. They have uh, now these these brilliant youth dance um, uh, centre for advanced training courses. And um, uh, and at the time, I was able to work with you know choreographers like Wayne McGregor when I was 14 years old. And wow. that's all very exciting. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So then when I went on to uh, begin my, my um, uh, degree course at London Contemporary Dance School, yeah, it really felt like a, a continuation of, of that training, but then obviously it getting a bit more serious and, and thinking, okay, how, how do I make a career out of this passion? And when you were 
at the London Contemporary Dance School and you were thinking about this uh, future journey and wanting to create and craft a profession, as you just mentioned, what was, so what was going through your mind in terms of the, the different paths or the, the future that you saw for yourself? Well, it was interesting because I think a lot of people presumed that I, I would want to have a, um, a performance career and, yeah. and I was kind of known as being more of a technical dancer. But during that, that, that three years, and it goes by so quickly, <laughs> I must <laughs> say, when, when you're training, but during that, that three years, I, I really um, took to and became increasingly interested in choreographing and, and making work and, and thinking beyond just my, uh, uh, myself as an individual dancer and, and thinking about the bigger picture. So I would say there was a turning point in my second year that, that I really started to select courses and start to make work for my own. And what is about making your own work that has, for, as you say, from those you know, early, early days in your training, what, what is it about making your own work that's captured your sort of heart and soul and your creativity to want to really drive down that path? Mm, I, I think it's um, what, what's really inspired me is this idea of um, collaborative practice. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, during my second year, I think we had the opportunity to work with um, a visual artist and uh, or, or to a composer, and, and I worked with a visual artist. And, um, and just this opportunity to uh, be in the room with an artist that's um, also interested in making, but another discipline and then what happens when those two um, worlds collide that that really inspired me and I thought wow I, I want to continue doing this and finding ways to bring artists um, together and create something that we couldn't create alone. And you went on to become dream artist at the Pavilion Dance Southwest. Tell mm -hmm. us about that experience and the importance of the support that you've received in it to enable you to be able to create work and, as you say, to collaborate with others. Yeah, it's well, that, that opportunity at Pavilion Dance Southwest was um, a real step change, I would say, in, in um the way that I ran um, and still do run my company, Neon Dance, mm -hmm. I think up until then it was very much project-based. Um, and at that point in time, I had the opportunity um, alongside support from Arts Council to enable me to um, work with a producer in a, in a longer-term um, uh, uh, situation in, instead of really just towards one uh, production and, and then all that momentum being lost. So, so having a sustained two-year period of, of Dream Artist Associateship enabled me to um, galvanize more support and mm -hmm. to, um, and to uh, yeah, keep making work. So it's, it's really helped me get to where I am today. And did this lead to you being selected onto the Saddlers Wells Summer University program? Is this was that the next step that you took in your career? Yeah, I mean, it all, all sort of came about around the same time. So I, I think I'd already um, I just started the the Dream Associateship at Pavilion Dance, and then also this opportunity came about at um, at Sadler's Wells. So it was a really wonderful um, series of steps I took, uh, and and yeah, there's something about that support that rather than it being a one-off commission mm. uh, happening over a series of years 
that mean that, that whether it's an organization or a funding body, they've really invested in you in that, that time span. And um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's about the confidence, but it's also about having um, that, that, that support in place to help you grow as an artist. And when did you decide, or sorry, when did you actually form Neon Dance? Well, it was it was actually. I mean, I'm so naive when I think about it. But I, um, it was only it was only a year out of uh, graduating from London Contemporary that I con, con the, this this idea of, of neon being this entity in which I collaborate with others. Um, so this is all the way back in um, end of 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's only been um, I'd say since 2010 that I really started to get serious about. Um, uh, focusing my attention on on it as a company um, and, and yeah and, and it being a full-time endeavor but that's still we're talking going on to eight years running as yeah. you say a full as, as a full-time endeavor that is yeah. a significant achievement particularly in an environment where funding is difficult and um, you know you're a female choreographer as as well and we've had discussions on this show about the challenges um, that all photographers face, but also female choreographers. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to to learn about the name of your company because it's not called, for example, Adrienne Hart Dance Company. It's Neon Dance. Where, where does this come from? Uh, I've always had an, an interest in branding. Um, it's <laughs> completely mm-hmm. unrelated to dance in a way, but but in a way it's not. Um, I, I guess I wanted a vehicle for collaboration. Um, of course, Neon Dance and me as a choreographer, we are in a way one and the same, mm-hmm. but um, I wanted to let go of the ego and mm-hmm. have this idea of um, different artists coming together and producing something they couldn't have created alone. And, and I guess by having a name that's separate from me as a individual choreographer enabled me to perhaps take a journey and, and for not every work to be the same, perhaps the choreographic language to change depending on who I'm inviting into the room with me. Um, yeah, so that, that felt important to me to have, have this, uh, to separate myself from, from the, the name of the company. And you mentioned there the, your choreographic language. How would you describe your choreographic language or how do others describe it? Uh, so difficult to mm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was, okay, so um, I'm, uh, I'm really aware of the fact that um, as, as a choreographer, um, as a dancer, tra- having trained in the UK at a particular dance school, I'm going to have been coloured and shaped by my training. Mm-hmm. So you will see, you know, the architectural lines of Cunningham because I've spent a lot of time doing Cunningham technique. You will see um, m- moments of floor work that uh, you can reference from, from you know, make historical references there too. Um, but the, the language, it's, I'd say it's highly technical, um, but there's a, a layering that, that goes on that's to do with um, an emotional intelligence in the performers that I work with um, and the other element is the collaborative element. So right now I'm working with an amazing um, fashion artist who makes these artifacts that are wearable and that colours and shapes um, the language that's produced, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, love fashion, love dance. I love anything that brings <laughs> those two things together and to be able to see how your choreography would respond to this fashion-based artefact. Um, mm. To me, I could, it seems quite structural in my mind. Um, yeah, it would be really, really interesting to see that. I'm interested to hear about some of the work also that you have um, presented in a variety of spaces, Glastonbury all the way to the Royal Opera House. How have these venues as well also influenced the works that you have created? Um, well, when you have the opportunity to um, uh, rehearse at the Royal Opera House, it's obviously mm -hmm. you know that's that's gonna that that particular uh, a studio setting. It, it's going to um, have an influence. Absolutely, I believe that you know architecture can have a profound influence on the on the body. Um, uh, then you take uh, a, a work, sometimes often the same work, to a very different context, like as you mentioned, Glastonbury, mm. and you have to adapt. It's a very different audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but I but I love that. I love I love creating work that has that kind of adaptability and and the ability to scale up or down, um, and and to talk to audiences um, in a way on their on their terms. But it's yeah, it, it's I I think about the um in the making process and enabling uh, everything not to be too rigid mm -hmm. there, there to be a clear structure and everything's to be set but also again giving uh, agency to the performers and allowing them to make in the moment decisions um yeah yeah and you mentioned um the sort of scalability and responding to the architecture or the setting um you've you've created work or you've worked in places like Russia and Norway and Germany, Kosovo. These are um, very uh, different locations, as you mentioned, to your training here in the UK. Mm. How were those experiences as a creator and as a, an artistic director presenting works over there? Oh, I, I love doing stuff like that, putting myself absolutely in the deep end and um, uh, and, it, and again, discovering what it is about me that makes me British or female mm -hmm. choreographer, all these kind of tags, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then what what if what's left that's kind of uniquely mine to take, um, and you know, for example, working in Kosovo, that was a wonderful experience to um, work alongside a, a brilliant director, seeing how she worked with her actors um, and, and how I get over a language barrier mm -hmm. um, and that was exactly the same in, in Russia. I was working with four male ballet dancers um, mm -hmm. uh, who didn't speak English and so I was working through a translator uh, but you know the body is an amazing thing and, and says so much so <laughs> yeah. uh, we were able to work quite quite productively in the space. That sounds amazing. Did you did you record it visually? Did you uh, video any of those moments or those sessions in the studio? Um, that's a good point. It's such a long time ago now. Um, oh, I think okay. There's definitely, there's definitely um, yeah. I think there is some some documentation hidden <laughs> away. Yeah. I'll have to <laughs> check your socials because that sounds really like a really interesting um, sort of experience to be able to from the outside look into and see how see how that works. That sounds really interesting. So let's talk about the wildcard event um, that you're curating at Saddler's Wiles. You're back with the Saddler's Wiles um, that you clearly have a very close relationship with. Talk to us about how this came about. Uh, well, I, I think um, initially, uh, Ava, who's the um, uh, 
um, in charge of artistic programming um, at Sadler's Wells uh, approached me about a wildcard. Um, and, and we've been talking for a couple of years now um, about the possibility of doing something. Um, but at the time I, I was saying, oh, you know, I've, I've become really interested in doing full-length work. How, how could a curated evening function? I, and and mm. it was only um, quite recently that, that I got back in touch and said, okay, I, I think I've got an idea here. Can I pass this by you? Um, and the brilliant thing about Sadler's Wells is they're so responsive. So I was able to um, have pretty much only the seed of an idea, which is that um, there, there's uh, on the 88th day of the year, um, every year for the last three years, there's, there's been Piano Day, International Piano Day, yeah. and that's been set up by a, um, a collaborator of mine, Nils Fromm. And so I said, I'd love to do an event that is about live dance and, and, and music coming together um, and, part, and kind of echoes my ethos around collaborative practice. Um, and, and they were absolutely up for, for doing that. So, yeah, I've been really excited ever since, really. <laughs> so, so what can people expect from the evening? Um, give us a... In any type of hint, you know, for audience who are thinking, oh, well, wildcard, that sounds really interesting, a curated evening, piano, what, what, will they, what do you hope or think that they might walk away um, from the experience thinking or feeling? Well, yeah, the, so the piano is, is um, going to be featured, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we've got uh, a, a beautiful piano being set up in the space. Uh, there's going to be, and, and the piano is a, is a through line, so, so I've invited uh, a visual artist called Lily Hunter-Green uh, to present her work um, in the Khan space, which is just off of the, the cafe when you first enter, mm -hmm. uh, and the piece is called Tuning In, and it looks at the declining bee population and that how farmers are apparently using tuning forks, as in a piano tuning fork, um, to pollinate flowers because um, there's a, a the the bees and the the flowers are out of sync with one another. So wow. uh, it's a beautiful piece of work and obviously connects with with piano day for me. Um, and so yeah, you'll get to experience that. Um, audiences will have the opportunity to have a sense of uh, behind the scenes of neon dance. I, I've got. Um, uh, so a, a brilliant photographer, Oliver Holmes, uh, presenting his behind-the-scenes photography of, of us in the studio. Um, and I've got a, a, a documentary film from Tom Schumann being presented. Um, and this is all uh, free for anyone that doesn't have a ticket. They can come in and just see this part of the, of, of the, the night. Um, and then once you enter the space, we've got um, two of my own works being presented that are excerpts. Um, one being a, a production called Empathy that's been touring for a while now. Um, and, and that's, uh, as the title suggests, it's, mm. it's all around uh, the subject of, of empathy, looking at the empathy spectrum. Uh, and um, the, the other production is a brand new work called Mahajanaka, uh, which again is all around collaboration and uh, about working with artists outside of the UK. So I've been privileged to work with uh, an award-winning dance artist called uh, Pichet Clinchen, who is uh, based out in Thailand. And that's been uh, in partnership with a, a composer here in the UK called Sebastian Reynolds. So we'll, we'll be 
testing that out for the first time as well. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And then finally, so we've got, I mean, it's so jam-packed. I was going talk yes. about it. <laughs> on top of that, we've got some special guests. So um, we've, we've got uh, a John Camille Farrar, who is an amazing pianist. Um, who, who's performing. We've got um, uh, uh, Maeva, who is an incredible dance artist. Um, uh, Maeva Befelot, who is um, originally, she worked with Hofesh for many years. Mm. Um, and I've kind of matched the two of them together. Um, and there's going to be a sort of live encounter between the two of them on, on the night too. Well, that sounds, as you say, a jam-packed evening or two evenings. I I love how actually the audience experience starts right in almost before you pick up your your ticket um, and walk through the cafe-type area and before you even get into the space. Um, I think that's that's fantastic, Uh, really drawing people into an entirely new type of... um, getting to see different types of um, artists coming together. It sounds fascinating. It really sounds exciting. I think um, for those who, as you say, don't have tickets, get your tickets. Um, But otherwise, if you're wandering past, like many of us do, um, drop in and have a look at the photographic work um, and see what else is going on. It sounds absolutely fantastic, Adrienne. Thank you. So, but before I, I, I let you go, I really wanted to just ask you a couple of things about your role as artistic director. You mentioned you're presenting two works um, for, of your own from Neon Dance Company. Um, and you have this dual role, artistic director and choreographer, which many um, artists do. They have this dual role. But for you, what is the sort of greatest joy that you have um, in having your own company? Um, well, it's, it's, it's such a luxury, isn't it? It's, it's having the opportunity to discover, um, to, to find things that I find interesting about the world, about the, the human experience, and, and then considering uh, bringing together teams of artists, uh, both from the, the UK and abroad, to create something that, that's um, uh, beyond me as an individual. Uh, and you never quite know until you put it in front of a live audience what the reaction will be. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I'm absolutely fascinated by sitting at the back of the audience and sort of reading people's backs. And, and um, yeah, I, it's also terrifying, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's not an easy job to do. But, you know, when I have the opportunity, to, when I'm invited to, to uh, you know, recently I got invited to go out to, Japan and, and it's such a privilege to, to be invited um, to a, another country or, or to work with another company but particularly when it's your own work that's being invited out and I'm never going to get tired of that I don't think. No. Um, and you mentioned there some of the, um, the highlights but also that it can be quite difficult. What, what, what are some of the challenges that as an artistic director of your own company um, that you face? Um, <laughs> where to start? I mean, it's it's always it's just always a challenge. And as you've mentioned um, earlier in in the interview, in, interview um, with 
there's always the issue of, of funding. You can, uh, for, for me, I don't have the problem with coming up with, with ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I always have ideas that I, I would like to turn into um, works of the stage and screen. And um, it's, it's about how, how do you make them happen? Um, how do you turn them into um, uh, uh, works that can, can tour for a long time? Um, and, and for me, I think it's been uh, about finding the right team of people to help me do that Um, and kind of recognizing how much work you can do as an individual and and also recognizing the times where you just have to say, no, I can't write another application for (laughs) (laughs) See earlier submission. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We've been very fortunate with with our support to date. Um, Yeah. And clearly some well-deserved support there. And just how many uh, artists within your company do you have? Um, it does vary um, from, from project to project. The, the last project we had um, five professional dance artists performing with us. Um, with with the, the project that I just mentioned, the, the Thai project Mahajanika, there's, there's only two um, uh, dance artists, but then three uh, live musicians on stage. So it's a smaller configuration. And... What is your vision for the future for your company? As, you, as we talked about earlier, you've been doing this full time now for the last seven or eight years. What does the next seven or eight years um, look like to you and your vision? Uh, well, I mean, it's interesting time at the minute because we're, we're sort of plotting and planning. I've, I've been working with um, uh, someone, someone called Sue Davies, who's, who's brilliant at... Um, uh, supporting me and my uh, professional development mm-hmm. and uh, our, our plan is to keep doing what we're doing uh, mm-hmm. in the short term uh, I've got a premiere of my new work in um, September out in Japan and then we hope to, to, to tour that we've got a UK tour coming up in the autumn um, and yeah, it's, it's more of the same, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. It's interesting because when I listen to you talk about your company and, and your work and your experience, um, I, met, I hear you mention the words professional development um, or development quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting when you contrast it to you know, good eight solid years un, under your belt when, and you list off this in, sort of incredible um, roster of artists and collaborations that you are and or have undertaken today, it sort of sounds like actually maybe you're moving beyond your the development stage, although we never stop developing. It's just interesting um, sort of where you are in your journey. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I think um, I don't want to ever stop learning, I guess, and, yeah. and, that, um, and to keep being – I'm very – curious person in general and I, and I think it's really healthy to to um take stock of where you are and obviously acknowledge the the um skills that you've acquired along the way um but but also you know to 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 recognize that with, with every stage that you get to that there's still more to learn so much so much more always to learn isn't there yeah it's, it's like a never-ending journey absolutely um so bev- before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you um, and talking about you know, the things that we need to, to learn and the opportunities to discover and to be curious. What advice do you have for other aspiring choreographers and other, particularly other aspiring female choreographers who would uh, listen to your story and think I wouldn't mind following in your footsteps? 
<laughs> um, gosh, it's so hard because I, I think every every journey is so in it, it's um, so individual. So it's very hard to give one piece of advice. Um, I, I would say don't be afraid to ask for things. <laughs> it sounds like really obvious stuff, but um, a, a lot of the time, some of the artists that I'm working with or have worked with in the past um, or, or funding or support that I, I've received, it's because I've, I've just asked for it. I, I haven't waited for someone to come knocking at my door. Um, so yeah, kind of be bolshy sometimes and not be afraid to, to ask for what you're after. <laughs> I think that's great advice, um, in fact. And um, for those who would love to have a, 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 their own company, their own career, collaborations like yourself, asking what, what simple, wonderful advice. Uh, just <laughs> thank, wanna, you. thank you very much. Well, I'm really excited for the Wildcard event for you. That sounds absolutely amazing. And for everyone, please, please go get your tickets. Um, and check out Wildcard on the 22nd and 23rd of March from Sadler's Wells website, sadlerswells.com. Thank you so much, Adrienne, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.